Welcome back to season three of Pod Shots, episode 21. We kick off season three with my good friend Joey Langenbrunner, who is the U.S. Deputy Head of Mission for the Free Republic of Lieberland. Da, 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 da. Our beverage of choice this week to start season three is coffee. Yes, we <laughs> kind of forgot to do shots, but don't worry, there will be plenty of shots in season three. And we had a amazing conversation with Joey, so I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So chill, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 21, or should I say episode one of season three of Pod Shots. I have no previous knowledge about this project Lieberland that you are heavily involved with from the looks of things. So I thought we could start off and just begin with how you would explain the project to like a layman who has no previous experience of, of, of that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I actually want to back up a little bit, uh, you know, so you know, essentially uh, the free public of Lieberland were essentially starting a new country, but you'd like, let's backtrack a little bit. Why the hell would you want to start uh, a new country? You know, so with today, with what's going on, especially, you know, here in the U S like, I swear everyone's like civil war, civil war. And it's just like, probably not going to happen. I, I really don't think so, but it's kind of stressful. It's kind of annoying. And it's like, sometimes you get to the point where it's just like, no one really fits your ideals of what you want in, you know, in your society. If you want this, if you want that, you know, if you want like liberal conservative or like a little twist of that, a little twist of that, it's just, you know, and, and sometimes you'll look all over the world world and just see like no country fits exactly what you want, you know, so might as well just, you know, start over. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, but it takes a lot to get to that point. You know, if you're trying, you know, it's like I try to work um, in the political scene here and it's just, it's so stupid. It's just not even worth it. It's, okay, um, so you, you don't want to add to the fire. You don't want to jump into a machine yeah. that can probably not be stopped at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and I don't force, you know, people to live by like my crazy ideas and, you know, like the things that, you know, I'm into anyways. It's just like, if, half the country wants this and half the country wants that. And you want, you know, this way, you know, that over there, you know, just go over there. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. But, 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 okay. So Lieberland is basically a new nation and we'll get Correct. into whether it's recognized or not in a moment, but it's a, essentially going to be a new nation. It already exists, right? Kind of. Correct. Yes. And, um, but how did it come to be? Like, what were the things that events that kind of set that in motion? Cause obviously you can't just walk to somewhere on the planet and say, okay, we're going to set up people. Well, you can, but it's probably not. That's kind of what we did, but right. you know, there's a little, you know, there's a little more to that. So um, let's first talk about, you know, kind of, how it happened and then, you know, what presented the opportunity for this to happen, if that makes sense. So we have this gentleman. Um, so I'm this Czech guy, which is our president. His name is Viet. Um, and I'm going to butcher his last name because I cannot say Czech. I was going to ask you, like, you what his last Viet, name is. 
Bitch, I'm Jay Lika. Um, I'm terrible at it. If you watch this, this is me like, oh God, like Americans. Anyways, um, he ran for office um, um, over um, in the Czech Republic. He lost, you know. And his opponent said, you know, why don't you just go create your own country with your crazy radical ideas? Why don't you just go go create your own country? He's like, "Eh, okay. And so, you know, how do you create a country? You you want to find land that's unclaimed. It's not like we're like trying to start a war or a coup or or anything like violent, you know, like, like we're not going to take like our um, ideologies like that far. Like there's a name for that. you know, and so he essentially just went onto Wikipedia and just like typed in like no man's land. And like there was this small piece of land in between Croatia and Serbia that was unclaimed. And then there was also this land that was um, between um, Egypt and North Sudan that was unclaimed. I feel like there's an opportunity here for an entrepreneur that's listening to create an online course on how to find unclaimed land and sell <laughs> that to people who are like, trying to find out what they want to get into next, you know? So all you have to do is just go to Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a wiki, like start a new country, go to Wikipedia, look for no man's land (laughs) or bribe government. (laughs) It's amazing that there's Uh, no man's land at all today. Everything's taken. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let me get into like how the hell that even happens. Mm -hmm. So a little history lesson. Um, I I don't know how much you guys or your listeners are familiar with the whole, um, whole, I'm like Yugoslavia existence, but, um, essentially, so like that, so I'm like Liberland is in between Croatia and Serbia. So before, you know, way, way back in the day, that whole area where I'm like the Balkans. So if you're looking at a map um, of Europe, it's like Southeast, you know? Um, so that all, all area Balkans was basically um, like this like socialist Republic of Yugoslavia. So heavy authoritative, just, you know, and whatnot. And so like Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, um, Montenegro, we're all just basically just one country. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think my, and I think North, North Macedonia was part of it. Um, at that time, um, country didn't survive that long. So they kind of broke up and when they broke up, it was, it was not a good breakup. You know, they're all like killing each other, you know, like basically we're getting on levels of like possible, like, on like genocide you know and like ethnic cleansing on each side you got like christians orthodox christians and muslims like all in that territory with you know like a lot of like turkish influence a lot of pain over you know hundreds of years just just all coming you know just not good stuff you you know there's actually i think a movie on that uh i saw it a long time ago but i remember it was it was shocking because it was a no holds barred kind of depiction of what really happened in that area uh during that time and i think the un was like a huge presence and their troops were kind of not really allowed to get involved but they were there just to kind of help keep the peace and it was one soldier's kind of you know uh documentary or experience of events that happened and it was awful the kinds of stuff that i think it was called savior so if you're interested anyone's interested in watching that movie you can check it out but it was about like the serbian kind of uh you know wars and disasters and things that happened so yeah i i I can imagine how bad it was yeah and there's a lot of controversial um you know about it because essentially 
unlike Yugoslavia, at the end of the day, it was everyone trying to break apart from Serbia. So Serbia was trying to keep, you know, like Yugoslavia together, you know, everyone wanted to break away. And so, you know, it, anyways, fast forward, um, you know, to kind of um, our modern day. Um, so really, when you're trying to like define the borders, there's still a little bit of struggle you know, with that. So you have like the whole Kosovo thing and Serbia thing, like, you know, what's going on there. Cause like, that's basically like Serbian territory, but there's bases, but there's a bunch of like Albanians there, you know? And then they would said, you know, Hey, we're totally different for you. We want to, we want our own countries. Like that's controversial within itself, especially in today's news. But, um, what's still really not fixed today is the border between Croatia and Serbia. Why is there kind of like an issue and how does that tie in? With Liberland. So way back in the day before Yugoslavia, and hopefully I don't lose you guys here, but um, the border between Serbia and Croatia was historically the Danube River. So if you guys want to like pull up a map and like look where Croatia and Serbia and you see where um, the Danube River is, that's, that's historically where the border has been. When it was all Yugoslavia, it was one country, borders didn't really matter. But uh, what Yugoslavia did was they changed the flow of the Danube River to essentially make it easier for, you know, trading and like bigger boats to get down, um, you know, the river instead of it going like this and, you know, shallow at some points and deep at some points. It, it just wasn't good for trading. So, you know, they did a bunch of um, engineering projects and changed the flow of the river essentially. So, you know, when Yugoslavia breaks up, what's the border? Is it where the Danube River used to flow? Or is it where it flows now? So where it flows now gives actually gives more territory to Serbia. Mm. But where the Danube River used to be, it gave more territory to Croatia. So it's so so still to this day, if you look uh, on Google Maps between the border of Croatia and Serbia, especially like the northern part, like right out, like right under um, Hungary, um, the border just kind of goes random, kind of like through the Danube River, but doesn't follow the Danube River. Mm. If you if you look um, on any like Serbian website, you see where the border is, it's just where the Danube River is. So it's not quite settled. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if Croatia, um, they have joined the EU, if they want to join the Schengen area, one of their requirements is that they need to solve all border disputes. And as you know, basically every um, European country um, wants to join the EU, you know, a minus. I'm your place, Clement, there in the UK. You know, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) You know, know, so, you know, some people want to leave, you know, some people want to enter. So, you know, all these countries in the Balkans, including Serbia, they want to eventually join uh, the EU. So, like, they need to solve this this border dispute. But there's a lot of, like, nationalism, um, you know, especially with, you know, how many deaths happen in that area. There's still like a lot of hate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that was like 25 years ago. So everyone that's about our age, you know, we don't care, you know, like them over there, we like to drink as much as, you know, them over there. It doesn't matter. But, you know, anyone who's like 30 or over, like remembers that. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. cool, not cool. So anyways, um, the treaty that they, um, that they wrote up and I won't get into the details, but what really brings up this um, area is that um, all the land that is on the east side of the Danube River is essentially claimed by both Croatia and Serbia. 
but the area that is on um, the west side of the Danube River is not claimed by either. It's kind of weird and complicated, but like this is how like how like how weird where this treaty was. But so if any so Serbia Croatia would claim like the small pockets of land on the Croatian side of the Danube, then they would lose claim to this area of land over here that's like ten times bigger. We're literally not talking about like much land at all. There's no natural resources. It's literally just like swamp land and forest here. But it's just it just it's really I'm just like nationalism at the end of the day. You know, probably for worse. Um, and so this land has just been, this small pocket of land has been unclaimed. It was like small little pockets and essentially kind of like took the biggest. So how big are we talking say that, about here? Are we talking like, uh, what, what would be a, like a reference for the size of this place? Yeah, so it's, so the territory is about seven kilometers of land. So that's about two and a half times the size um, of a place on like Monaco. So Monaco, right. Monaco, and then a half of Monaco. So like, it's big enough to like build, you know, like a little city, mm. you know, but since it's been unclaimed for like over 25 years, um, since um, like 1991, since the fall of Yugoslavia, so like the last country to claim that territory was, I mean, like for all intents and purposes was Yugoslavia. So if basically both Croatia and Serbia is like, you know, we don't own it, they do, because they're trying to get, you know, them to claim that land so they lose the claim over here. I know that's kind of complicated. It's like, hopefully, I don't lose um, your no. listeners there. But, you know, essentially, the land has been unclaimed since 1991. Um, and in 2015, that's when um, Viet, uh, you know, kind of got fed up with, you know, his political system there, you know, searched for no man's land, went there with his buddy and his girlfriend at the time and stuck a flag. So hold on. So okay, <laughs> this blows my mind. What blows my mind is, and I, I, I need you to explain it to me. How, how can someone do that? How can someone just go and put a flag down somewhere? And, you know, I'm assuming you don't have to pay anyone. You don't have to sign any forms or anything because it's unclaimed. So it doesn't belong to anyone. And then how does that one person like, you know, keep their, claim on that land sure so so that gets into what's like what's been going on for the past five years so so on the country was formed in 2015 april 13th which is um thomas jefferson's birthday so like heavily influenced by you know like american ideals and stuff like that on the u.s constitution and you know and that kind of stuff so you know again like that's a great question you know like there's no forms you know like who do we let know like hey this is our territory now so that's what we're working on right now so what we're doing right now is that essentially we're trying to raise money we're doing a lot of um, like diplomatic things from behind the scenes so um, you know, if it's like, hey, we're doing this in Serbia, we're doing this in Croatia, we're doing X, Y, and Z in this country to sign some kind of deal under the table. And, you know, uh, you know, it's like one of those situations with, I'm like, Taiwan. You know, is Taiwan an independent country or, or is it part of China? Well, it's basically just comes down to money and political maneuvering. So right. that's what we're focusing on. Um, and that's what, you know, so currently I'm, um, in DC moved here to do, you know, like various, um, like lobbying projects. Um, I also started, um, a nonprofit that we're doing like diplomatic aid. So if we're trying to get like country A to recognize us, then we basically give them a bunch of aid and, you know, that we start opening up, up, up 
a, you know, a conversation then. So, you know, like, let's say we get like 10 countries to recognize us, you know, in the next, uh, like three or four years, you know, that's how we try to hold on to that territory. Is anything there physically? No. But before we build physical infrastructure, we need to yeah. build diplomatic infrastructure. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to like go like full force in this because you know your listeners are probably like still trying to like wrap their minds and like how the hell did you like can you just like claim like <laughs> uh, unclaimed territory? Um, so you know on a you know kind of pause here to see if you guys have any questions or comments. Yeah. So like if Clement and I wanted to take a romantic getaway together to Lieberland. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we talked about this last time, but like, is there an airport there? Or do you have to land in the neighboring country and fly over? Or like, how do you even get there? Yeah, sure. So you would fly into, I'm like Belgrade, Serbia. You would take a two hour car drive to um, the town of Apatine, Serbia, which is right on the Danube River. Lieberland is also on the Danube River. And then we got a boat um, called on um, the Bitcoin, a freedom boat. You know, we kind of do like the whole blockchain um, and cryptocurrency thing too. And you could rent out the boat on Airbnb and go up that way. You've been? I have not yet. I was going to go this year, but you know, the whole COVID thing happened. Oh, uh, well, yeah. So I've been working for them for the past three years all from the U.S. and actually haven't been there yet, mostly because just like COVID thing and funds and, you know, and all that fun stuff. And I assume this is like your, because I've looked at your LinkedIn and I've, I've, I've spoken to Brandon about you, but this is your full-time gig, right? You're, you're, you're fully involved in, in promoting Lieberland as a nation. So I would say it's more, more of like a part-time job, maybe like 20, 30 hours a week, but it's, a, but it's not like, like but it's not like my full-time job. So, right. Okay. You know, I got like Go a, you know, like a day job that pays the bills and stuff like that. When you're starting to, you know, do a project like this, it's not like we're gonna have like a lot of money to pay a bunch right. of people. You know, do we have like staff, um, you know, in our office and a few other people that are working full-time for us? Sure. You know, we get like a few people that are like going through applications, doing this, doing that, you know, and they get paid. Um, you know, but as you can imagine, you know, this project requires hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And so if it's so, you know, every penny is just like there, there is, you know, 10 crucial things that, you know, every dollar is going towards, and it's really not going towards, you know, let's say like people like me. So like, essentially we're, I'm like volunteering, but, um, the way that we do get paid and it's just kind of like a funny thing. So I'm sure you, your listeners are familiar with, on um, like Bitcoin and stuff like that. Um, and we get funded by like a lot of cryptocurrency. So like all like these, I'm like Bitcoin, I'm like millionaires, you know, like this is one of the projects that like they're throwing their money into, you know, just FYI. So we get, so we do get like a lot of our funding from like all, from like all like these, on like the like millionaires and stuff like that. But anyways, um, our national currency is going to be um, a cryptocurrency. So, you know, it's going to be a brand new currency. It's going to be called um, the Liberland Merit. And so, you know, every time we do things for Liberland, we essentially get paid in this merit, you know, like, you know, it's just like on the script, you know, is it really worth anything right now? Not really. Not really. But, you know, if we can get things off the ground, you know, you know, then it's going to be worth some kind of money. So it's like kind of, you know, if you're doing any startup whatsoever, 
you know, your company, I mean, your share is going to be worth, you know, zero, but if you can get it off the grounds, you know, it could be, it could be worth, you know, some real money someday. This is, you know, this is more, you know, so like, that's the way we have to treat it is basically it's like a startup company, a startup yeah. country. It's going to be run as a company, um, for, you know, the way that our kind of, um, ideals work. Uh, so like you just have to think about it as a startup. So, you know, for the first few years, maybe even 10 years, you're working for free. Right. Which brings me like perfectly to the next question, which is what, what are they, what's the vision uh, and the kind of like the end goal of this nation? Cause I'm, I'm assuming Vit has something in his head that he's kind of like communicating to you guys. Uh, what, how does that look? Yeah. So I mean, and, and I know this might sound maybe kind of on the gimmicky and whatnot, but you know, if we can kind of create like a Hong Kong or like a Singapore in the Balkans, you know, so it's going to be kind of a place like um, Dubai where, you know, there's going to be like not really any taxes and we're going to be like trying to like, you know, different, do different like incentive programs for people to like donate money to the government and stuff like that. Uh, I can get into that a little bit later. It's like a. on the EU, you know, so the EU has a crazy tax and we're pretty close to the EU. So like there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Sorry. I think did, Brandon, did you catch that? Cause I, th- I broke up a bit on my side. Yeah. I think he was breaking up just a little bit too. As soon as you started explaining, as soon as you started explaining the, the part after you said we can get into that later, it's, it started to really kind of drop out. So, sorry, do you, can you say that again? Yeah. So, essentially, if you think about Liberland in a way, think about it as a free trade zone. So, if you think about a free trade zone, you know, like there's a lot of economic activity that can build in that with, you know, like various um, like tax incentives and stuff like that, you know, like with like low taxes, low regulation, brings a lot of investment into that area, especially with, uh, you know, it's about seven kilometers of land if you think about like Manon. Um, so like if you think about, I'm um, like Monaco, um, you know, like I think of, I could be kind of wrong on this, but I think it's like once one like, like square yard or something like that's like $100,000 like worth, right. you know, like of land, you know, just because of like the economic activity. So we want to create a situation like that. Mm. That area of Europe is by far one of the poorest regions of Europe because of the wars and stuff like that. Everyone young is, you know, like they're going to on like Germany and, you know, um, whatnot. It's like, there's not much economic activity going on in the area. So it's just like, you know, we can only go up from here and if we can build you know, this place with like a lot of economic freedom, then it's going to create a lot of jobs, you know, both in Serbia and Croatia. And, you know, we did the study uh, where we can easily increase um, the GDP um, of both Serbia and Croatia about a half to 1% after about 10 years. So that's a pretty big change. Just by bringing in the foreign investment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, gotcha. Yeah, and we're and we're already doing kind of like these free trade zones. So like we've been doing deals with the Serbian government where we've been having like these zones that um, like right on the Danube. And just by the way, guys, on the Danube River is an international 
you know, I'm like waterway. So any ship can go up and down and trade and, and, and travel and whatnot. So we got these free trade zones that uh, are part of Serbia, but basically going to be administrated by um, the Liberland government. And essentially it's going to be no customs, no VAT tax. And right now we're trying to, you know, basically I'll get businesses to come to those free trade zones and start building. So before we start building in Liberland, let's build here and create jobs. Because you know, we, if we're going to be doing anything, we need the local community to, you know, actually like us instead of like see us as like an invading force or, you know, someone taking, you know, the land, especially with how like sensitive, um, you know, the situation is there, um, especially, you know, with the wars and whatnot. But, you know, it's it's been over 25 years now, um, almost 30 years. So, you know, but still that feeling you know, kind of there. So we need to bring jobs, economic development and money talks at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like when I, you know, I, I'm very familiar, I'm not too familiar, but I'm very familiar with the concept of tax free zones around the world. You've mentioned Hong Kong, you mentioned Monaco, the Seychelles, you've got the prolific Panama papers, (laughs) You know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot of these places around the world. And um, in, in research that I was doing in, in preparation for talking to you, I did get a better idea of just how much money these nations make in foreign, uh, foreign money passing through. And it's huge. It's massive. And it, and it, it, it is uh, an intelligent way of running a nation if you're limited by resources and geography. Exactly. exactly. Which is really essentially the challenge, which really gives you kind of only one one option in terms of how are you going to, you know, generate income for the, for the actual country or nation. I don't even know if it would be, would it be a country? Would it be a, would it become a country? I I think it would. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really uh, familiar with that, but I suppose, and I know that this is an offshoot of really, you know, this entire conversation, but that also brings its own inherent challenges as well. You know, when you're dealing with a lot of money coming in uh, on the premise of tax tax benefits and things, it's uh, it can get tricky. <laughs> it, 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 it's going to be an interesting uh, um, situation. And the best way for me to answer this is, you know, like nothing's going to be perfect. Um, you know, and if you have a citizen of you know, of Croatia and they're trying to do something illegal through like our banking system or something like that, then, you know, they need to abide by, you know, their country's laws and jurisdictions end of the day. You know, if you got like Liberland citizens, you know, in our you know jurisdiction doing their own thing and it's perfectly legal, cool. If you have like some other citizen of another country and they're trying to do like some kind of like money laundering, then you know, like, we're not going to be okay with that. You know, mm. and I'll make that very clear, you know, because we're not trying to get other countries to be upset with us. And at the end of the day, you know, these countries need to respect our jurisdiction and we need to respect their jurisdiction, just like any other country. So if someone is trying to do something illegal and try to pass through and something like that, you know, of course, like that's not going to be okay with us, you know, how do you, and I know like, you get that. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask, how do you get that recognition from another country as being a sovereign country or sovereign nation? Um, Like, 
like if you had a passport, how do you get that passport recognized or how do you get recognized in front of the UN? Like what's, what's the process for that? Yeah. So that's something that we're working on right now. So the best way to get recognized by the UN, the first step is to become a UN observer state. So Mm -hmm. essentially what a UN observer state is, is that if you have one country that is already a full pledged member of the UN, essentially sponsor you then you can essentially become a UN observer state. So what are some, you know, UN observer states out there? So you got countries like Kosovo, the state of Palestine, Taiwan, um, say, uh, you know, you know, and there's like a few other ones. So we won't go into, into those details, but once you get to that status, that's a huge game changer. Cause then that essentially lets, you know, someone like me walk onto UN campus. So, you know, our delegation has been up to New York City many times um, during um, um, UN um, like General Assembly, which is basically a time where all these leaders come in and they do different meetings, different summits and stuff like that. We'll have meetings around the UN. Like seriously, like, like you don't know how many meetings I've, you know, like we've been like discussing things and I'll look out the window and the UN's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is very cool, very symbolic. You know, one day we're going to get inside. So, and there's different ways that we can get inside. Like one of these things is that, uh, and I brought this up earlier, is that um, I helped start uh, a nonprofit here in the U.S. called the Liberland Aid Foundation. And, you know, we've been doing, you know, aid to um, like various countries. Like we've done aid to like Brazil, Haiti, the Dominican Republic, Croatia, Serbia, a few others. Um, there's actually um, a place in the UN where you, you can get um, like NGOs, like non-government um, at all organizations basically have like join like this UN committee. And then if we have certain business, then we can walk onto UN campus, you know, and that can help us get in. So if we can essentially get a foot into UN, you know, then we can start, you know, do like the mingling and, and like the networking and the schmoozing and the lobbying and all the fun you know, stuff, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you're trying to get recognized by, you know, X country, you know, and and it sucks to say this, but sometimes it just comes down to money. Yeah. But what is false? You know, know. like if a country is saying, Oh, why would we recognize you? Why would we be the first country to recognize you? What's in it for us? Why would we put our reputation on the line? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a lot, You, you know, I think there's maybe like 12 or 13 countries that recognize Taiwan right now. You know that they're targets of China. End of question. China is trying to come in and build a highway system or, you know, or a dock or something like that to convince them, you know, you shouldn't recognize Taiwan. It's just money, which is sad to say, but, you know, when you're trying to do something as big as this, it just comes down to just to that and so the way that we're trying to make it you know like a little bit more wholesome is that we're trying to do um, like various um, like humanitarian projects and aid projects and that's what uh, you know our foundation does you know so we're coming in and bringing food or bringing like medical equipment you know and then and then letting on the government know that hey we've been doing this for all for you know for your people you know and then they're like hey you know we appreciate that and open the conversation that way instead of just like trying to just give them like a suitcase full of money or something like that. Cause like, we're not interested in anything like that. And we don't want to get a reputation like that. So we're just trying to essentially give back to the world, you know, because 
you know, going back to the whole on like tax thing, we don't want to be viewed as some kind of like tax haven or, or anything like that. Um, you know, we want to, you know, be a country that's really giving back to the world. You know, if we're going to be coming in, if we're going to be expecting like recognition and for us to be, you know, asking other countries to, um, you know, respect like our jurisdiction, you know, we need to give back to the world first. So, you know, and, and that takes time and that takes money. And so that's been like been kind of like the big focus for me right now. It's just like raising money for this aid foundation to do different projects and, you know, you know, all these various, um, you know, because like more or less, like if you're going to ask like, okay, which countries can we get recognition for, you know, we're probably going to go after like the countries that are in such desperate need of help that, you know, we can help them out. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like, sure. Like we'll recognize you. Cool. Like, thank you so much. You know, rather than trying to go straight to the U S oh, yeah. or straight to like Canada or something, you know, something like that, like that's going to be tough. You know, that's maybe going to be like 15, 20 years from now. Cause like, this is, this is the long run, but we don't necessarily need like U S recognition to start building. You know, once we start building, once we get, um, you know, like, let's say like a small town going there, you know, then we can come back here to DC and, you know, and try to do something then. You know, but there's like a lot of countries out there. Um, and if, you know, if one of them comes out and sponsors us in the UN, then we get UN observer status. And then it's just a domino effect. And once that happens, once you kind of get over that hump, things can get real really quick for better, for worse, you know, cause it's just like you are a UN observer state. Like that's a pretty big deal. And I think we're pretty close to that. Does, does that affect the passport in the same way too? So like if I was in another country and I was saying that I was coming from Lieberlands and I had a Lieberland passport, um, you know, would they, would they kind of laugh at me and ask for a different passport or is there like a, like a tier system for that? I think we talked about it before. Um, yeah. But explain that again. Yeah. So, you know, I'll just be completely honest here. Um, so I got a friend who, um, who essentially is from um, St. Kitts and Nevis. So St. Kitts and Nevis is just a small little island Caribbean country. Um, she went to um, Singapore, you know, pretty well-established uh, country. And she went to, on the border, you know, they had no idea what St. Kitts and Nevis was, you know. They thought it was a fake country, you know. They look it up on the computer like, oh, okay, it's legit. So if that kind of like you know, kind of gives you an idea. Cause like, there's a lot of small countries out there that people just don't know. A lot of, you know, like a lot of like these, on um, like border guards, they don't know, you know, if you don't have like a Chinese or Russian or Indian or, you know, or, or a Colombian or Brazilian passport, they're not going to know. On the other hand, um, there's some on um, like border guards that will just look at the passport. If, if it looks legit enough, you know, they give you the stamp and you go right in, which has happened to us too. It sounds like a mission impossible thing. <laughs> <laughs> or, or um, there has been some other situations um, where President Viet and the delegation has been invited, um, you know, by this government or that government, and then we're coming in, and then we can use the Liberland passport to come in because we we do have official business. Because if we're just flying into the airport, you know, we're not necessarily going to be able to use our, use our Liberland passport because, like, they have you know like all the computer systems and stuff like that, and they're going to have to use their you know other respected countries' passports to get in. But if we have official business, we can come in on that Liberland passport. If we don't have official business, we'll probably just use our other passport. So mm -hmm. it's kind of in that 
total gray area, which, yeah, I guess it is almost like, I'm like Mission Impossible. <laughs> I guess that makes me feel like maybe cooler than I actually am. <laughs> Um, so, okay, you, you, you guys, have you ever discussed, you know, timeframes for this project, you know, because I know it's a lot of work and I don't think anyone wants to be doing all that work, uh, you know, without having a clear kind of uh, idea of a timeline in, in mind, especially when, you know, you've got other things going on and do, have you guys discussed, you know, how much, how much you think it's going to take to get this off the, off the ground? I mean, I mean, if you ask anyone um, who's like starting their own company, like that same question, you know, I, I you know, if you ask in my opinion, that's a different thing. Um, I think we'll become a UN observer state in probably two to three years if we're going by the rate we're going today, which is pretty, you know, which is pretty awesome. After that, I don't know how fast or slow things are going to get, you know, because we can, you know, just you know, get that and then boom, you know, like 20 other countries be like, cool. Yeah, man, we like recognize you. Mm. And then, it, you know, like we get into like some serious pressure because at the end of the day, you know, what we're, the only thing that, that matters to us is able to get access to the land. So, you know, like a lot of people would ask like, Hey, why haven't you started building? You know, like, have, like, have you been to the territory? Like, yeah, we've been to the, yeah, we've been to the territory. When we first like stuck the flag into the territory, um, we've received about a hundred thousand applications, um, you know, within the first few months, we're up to 625,000 applications. Um, so applications were, uh, for citizenship. Right. Right. Yeah. So 625,000 up to today, which I, I mean, we're not going to accept all of them. You know, we, you know, like we literally can't like if you think about, I'm like Monaco and how small the land is, I think they have like 33,000 citizens, right. uh, but that shows you how much, uh, you know, interest in our project, you know, there is, we have about a hundred, I'm like representative offices, um, across the world. Um, uh, Clement, I don't know where you are located in the UK, but we got one uh, in London. Uh, we got one in Brussels, you know, basically like all major capitals in Europe. You know, we have some kind of office. Um, our one in Brussels is like this huge, beautiful building. Um, President Veit is from Prague. So, you know, he gets like a whole operation in a few houses. We got, um, we got a few offices like in Belgrade, Serbia too. Those are, you know, like, kind of like hotspots. Um, so I'm kind of getting like lost here and like what I'm talking about because I'm just like a little all over no, the place no. but like when it comes to time frame I I, I really don't know you know yeah. it's 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 gonna be a minute for sure yeah um, you know and I'm not gonna be here to tell you that it's gonna be like successful or it's gonna be like the best thing ever you know I'm not gonna sit here and try to create like a failed state if I don't think it's gonna work then you know why would I be here you know I'm a busy guy, um, but I'm not going to, you know, like sit here and like promise people the world like, oh, this is going to be like the next like Monaco, the next Singapore, the next such thing. I can't promise you anything, but yeah. I believe in it. It's working out so far, which like for me, every single day, every single time, like, it's like something big happens. Um, it's always one of those things where it's just like completely like mind blowing, like, you know, like, oh shit, <laughs> like that just happened. Like, you know, this is something like I can't talk about with 
anybody, you know, anytime soon, maybe like telling stories, you know, you know, with like a cigar, like bourbon, like 20 years from now, like, yeah, this, this, this conversation I had with like that ambassador, that, that happened. And that's because of the, you know, like, it's just one of those things. It's just crazy. And like, think about like, what kind of background I have, um, you know, I didn't go to school for like political science. I didn't go to school for, you know, like diplomatic studies. Am I looking to go to school and like taking a few classes in that now? Because I'm like, yeah. Cause like, if this gets like serious, like, you know, like there's certain like etiquette, you need to know there's like certain things you got to know. But at the end of the day, like we're just people that are just really passionate about building a new country surrounded by, um, you know, these certain ideals, um, you know, and just how much interest we got when we first started out was just overwhelming. And it's just still continuing like this, like momentum is just like building up and it's just going further and further and further. And it's just one of those like w- wonderful things where just, you know, like all the planets align. It's just like, Oh, this is actually happening. But like every mm-hmm. single day, like you're kind of like an awe, even though every single time I talk about this, people probably think just like how like weird and crazy are like, uh, okay, cool. And it's like, yeah, I, I get how you feel. Um, but like, it's just weirdly going very well. Mm. The name Liberland, right? Cause I'm thinking about the future now, thinking about you in your house in Liberland, right? Um, and I'm thinking, okay, it definitely sounds like it's going to run on a capitalist ideology, right? Like, uh, it's going to have, you know, um, an economy, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of centered that way. But the name Liberland kind of like alludes to some kind of liberalism, right? So w- w- tell me a little bit about that. How is it going to be governed? What are the, What is that uh, kind of going to look like? Yeah, sure. So um, essentially we're going to build our whole on my governance system and it's going to be kind of like um, online, so we're gonna be using um, like blockchain um, um, technology. So, uh, um, and a lot of governments are starting to do this, by the way. So, you, you know, they'll have like, let's say like the record keeping. So who owns what property? Um, are you voting for that person? Are you voting for that person? And doing all these like government services and then building it using blockchain technology. Um, right. Blockchain technology is the underlining um, technology for, you know, things like Bitcoin and stuff like that. Um, I don't want to like nerd out too much about that um, on this podcast, but essentially we're going to be using this system that is just, I would just think about it as just like, it's just going to be very fast, efficient, smart, very, uh, very um, like decentralized in a way. The nice thing is that, uh, you know, we're going to try to, you know, decrease like things like corruption or, or like this as much as possible because everything that's going on with government is going to be totally like transparent. You know, everyone's going to be able to see, you know, what's going on, you know, money moved from this to this, um, like this project got funded exactly this amount because we can see it, you know, on the blockchain, all on the computer screen. And this fits the numbers instead of, you know, in all of our respected countries today, you know, we pay our taxes and then like, you know, you got like all these like scandalous things going on with like, oh, well, you know, that was $2 trillion. You know, how the hell was that $2 trillion? You know, like, where did that money go? You know, you, you know, you never know. It's like trying to fix things like that, which is very, very important. So, you know, trying to 
decrease on the corruption, um, keep everything as transparent as possible using blockchain technology um, as much as possible. And we're working on um, that development. But you know, when it comes to our ideals, it's 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 really you know it really encompasses the idea of like liberalism or um, and like capitalism. So if you're thinking about uh, like taxes. We're not going to be having any sort um, of like taxation system, but we're going to find ways to essentially um, incentivize people to pay taxes. So it's like, all right, if you want to pay taxes, then you got a little bit more at stake, you know, what happens in this country in order to do like, you know, different things like that. So if you want to have more of a voice in the country, then you should contribute more. You know, if the country goes up or down, then you have more of your wealth at stake. So you're incentivized to do things that are right for the country. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that can get complicated. That can be controversial. And when you, you know, when you're thinking about the whole idea um, uh, of like liberalism, essentially, you know, we live by the motto, live and let live. So whatever you want to do in your life, as long as you're not hurting anybody, we're cool with you know, that doesn't mean you don't face the consequences. So like, if you're going to do, um, you know, like a lot of people, uh, I'm kind of like talked down to us and like, Oh, you're gonna like legalize all drugs and all these other things. It's like, yeah, no, you know, we're like, we're just essentially be, I'm like Portugal where all that thing is going to be, I'm like legalized. But if, you know, if you're driving a car and you're high and you hurt somebody, then the consequences on you and those consequences actually might be more severe, mm. you know? like you're free to do that you know if you're in your house doing your own thing you know and you hurt somebody then those consequences of you know are you on you so like it brings more accountability you know back to the individual rather than you know right. like the government at, at very hand, interesting you know because we just like especially more. like yeah yeah especially like being here in the u.s like the issues like we have with like the drug warfare system um and you know how like that hurts I'm like black Americans more than hurts whites. Like it's like, it's so obvious. Um, you know, we don't want to have an issue like that. And then seeing how I'm successful, you know, countries I'm like Portugal is, you know, just like legalizing all the substances and how crazy that sounds, but like their crime, um, like decreases that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I can see how that would work too. I mean, it's one of those things that it's almost like a wet dream for a lot of people to have a, a dramatically reduced government because essentially, you know, a large government with lots of rules and regulations and kind of telling you, basically telling you how to live your life, what you can and cannot do, um, getting involved in things they shouldn't be like the, you know, free market. And I do, I am very excited about, you know, smaller governments in many ways, uh, a lot of economists talk about it. A lot of people, you know, that are a lot of investors talk about that as well. Uh, so th this sounds like an interesting experiment to me. I mean, um, it is, it is obviously like, obviously the size and the scale would be taken into account because, you know, uh, South Korea runs incredibly well as a nation, but I'm not sure if those policies would work in another, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a larger country with a different culture and things like that. But, but yeah, that what you said to me now sounds super exciting. Cool. Yeah. And, and it really just comes down to, you know, what the culture is. So like when, 
a lot of people that, that are moving to Liberland that are interested in Liberland, like it's a global thing. You know, we got people like from Africa, we got people from South America, like North America, like Central America, Asia, you know, like Europe, um, of course. And people who have these ideals, you know, we have a certain culture, you know, and we're just connecting like through, through, through like the internet with, you know, people that, you know, have our same ideals. And it's like, you know, we don't like where we are now, you know, we're not going to try to like change the culture, you know, what, you know, if like 90% of the country is, 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 you know, is like surrounded by like this one culture, like, you know, maybe we should just leave, you know, and that's not a big deal. You know, you go live, you know, the, you know, your culture's over here and it's cool. Like I'll come visit, you know, I'll hang out, but it's not like where I want like my family to, you know, grow up. And so if you have like this amount of people feeling kind of like left out, um, you know, then yeah, it is kind of like a wet dream. It is kind of like an experiment at the end of the day, you know, and back to go what I said before, I'm not going to sit here and promise you that it's going to work or anything like that, but it's going very well. Um, the project is just, you know, the dream is becoming a reality um, in front of us. You know, people like you, like, hey, yeah, like this, yeah, you know, this does sound interesting. I am excited about this. And there's a lot of people that get excited. They're like, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, I got the phone yesterday with this guy who owns, I'm like, I'm like a minor league, I'm like baseball team. And he wants to start like a Liberland baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, right on. Um, yeah. You know, we're trying to start like a soccer team. We got like a beer going, we got like a wine going, like, you know, we've been like talking about like trying to get like different, um, like musical acts, you know, and then try to, you know, um, do something with um, like Eurovision and stuff like that. So, so, you know, like there's like fun things that we, you know, we're trying to do to like, you know, really um, embrace like other countries, cultures and stuff like that. And, you know, you know, I love baseball. I love soccer. I love music and stuff like that. Um, you know, so like, you know, like we're all the same in a lot of ways too. Yeah. That raises an interesting question though. Like how are you going to zone the land? So like if you, let's say at some point in time, you can begin plotting out the land so people can come in and buy it and develop whatever they want on it and assuming it's free roam. And let's say I buy some Lieber land land. Um, like, is there like some Lieber land land? Would there be like zoning to like determine what you could do with that land or is it completely like free roam? Um, like, is there like an outline for like what that plan will do? So to be honest, I, we, you know, that's something that is really core to our hearts. You know, like, what do we want? You know, are we just going to like, you know, it's just a few guys going to sit in a room and plan out the whole city or is it going to be like, all right, let's buy land and, you know, and go forth. Um, to be honest, you know, at the end of the day, like this is an experiment. We have different opinions, uh, you know, in our government. And that's something that we really haven't decided. Um, something that I think we might um, tend to follow a little bit more um, is Singapore's model. Um, so in Singapore, um, the government, you know, obviously they don't have a lot of resources. Like the only resource they have is land. So we might do a situation where we might own the whole land and then companies would essentially, you know, like sign like a rent for like 99 years with, you know, like, you know, like the option to just like keep on renting it until they don't want it. Um, you know, so we might do some kind of do that. And then that can help like bring money into the country, you know, by essentially like, you know, all these people just essentially just like paying rent. 
um, you know, and what laws we rules we have of that. You know, like that's something that we're definitely still like debating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, you know, it'd be kind gonna, of funny. it'd be kind of funny if you had the daycare next to the strip club, which was next to the baseball. Field. <laughs> People always bring that up. People always bring that up. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about it. I don't. I don't have an answer for you what on that one. Parents, I mean, that's that's the importance <laughs> of zoning, which was why I was asking. So it, it would be kind of funny, uh, but I, it could be also problematic at the same time. If sure. You had yeah, the absolutely. Daycare next to the strip club, next to the grocery store, next to the baseball field. Dude, man, you can get everything done a lot faster that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. True, but most people aren't as tolerant. Is, is you and I are coming, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, at the end of the day, there is a certain culture, you know, that's surrounded um, about this. So, you know, is there going to be, like, some certain people that are going to be, you know, like, I mean, yeah, if all that is completely, I'm like, legal, you, you, you know, and you're moving there, like, that's something that, you know, no matter what your morals or ethics on that, you know, that's something that people are just going to naturally be more tolerant of. Now, mm-hmm. how, how we handle that and how our culture is really going to be, I have no idea. You know, like me personally, do I, you know, like what I, you know, would I like a daycare next to a strip club? I don't, I think majority of people would probably be like, eh, probably not. But how we're going to handle that, I really don't have an answer for you right now. Maybe that's part of the fun of it all is just, the it's an experiment. Organic, yeah. You know, kind of makeup of the whole thing is what will this what will this project turn out to be when you when you kind of like let it let it run free? It and sounds I, good when you think about it. Or at least it sounds what? It it sounds really cool when you think about it. Like imagine if you had a Catholic church next to a mosque, next to the liquor store, next to the strip club. You know, maybe <laughs> next, next to the immigration office. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe we need to have that 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 like less of a division between different aspects of society and culture, so that we can become a lot more uh, accepting and at least exposed to what other people are doing. And is that good? Is that bad? Is that you know like at least you're at least you're aware of it. At least you know about it. I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that in London, for example. Uh, I used to live in London and there are literally mosques right next to churches. You know, it's just, it's the culture so mixed and um, yeah, there's racism and things, but, but, but I'm, I, I just got educated when I lived there about, you know, different cultures and races and uh, traditions and things. I lived with people I never thought I would live with. I, I ate things from their fridge freezers that I never thought I would eat. You know, when I was drunk one evening, I was like eating on uh, kind of fried uh, bugs because I was living with a Zimbabwean family and they, they're their snacks. It's like, it's like these kind of black bugs. That are kind of <laughs> <laughs> so, and you would get drunk and then you'd go into the Zimbabwean kitchen and eat bugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool story. Man. I was, I, I, actually it, it wasn't cause I was drunk. They literally said, I said, what is that? And they were like, Oh, this is whatever the dish is called. It's bugs. It's totally fine. You can, you can, we eat them. And it was like, it was like, try one. And I said, no. And they were like, please just do it. Blah, blah, blah. Convinced me. I ate it. 
Another time, uh, and, and this is not related to what we're talking about, I was drunk, went into the fridge, grabbed eggs. For, uh, I think they were my flatmates. And I realized after I'd eaten them, they were two months old. So, yeah, the next day I thought I was going to die. I was just projectile vomiting everywhere. That's a different type of culture. It's, a, it's an internal <laughs> culture of laziness and drug habits that get you into that position. But, um, yeah, the, 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 what I'm trying to say is I, I actually think that that's a very interesting uh, experiment. There's a Heineken advertisement, which I really like. I'm not sure if it's real or fake, but... They bring together people from different belief systems, different races and uh, religions, different sexes, and they first have them explain what their views are on life and what they'll tolerate and what they won't. Some are like militant, some are very liberal. And then they put them in a room together, two of them, very opposites, and they give them challenges to do. And at the end, they, a bar appears, and obviously Heineken is the, the beer of choice, right? So they're going to open a beer. But the question they get is, okay, we want you to watch these videos of each of you. And it basically their video they submitted and what their views and beliefs are and things. And then um, they both watch each other's video in front of each other and they learn who they are and they're like, hmm. And then the question is, you can either leave now or you can have a beer together and talk about stuff. And they, they chose to sit down, have a beer and talk about stuff. And at the end, they, they're friends and they understand each other a bit better. And I think that could possibly be uh, one of the outcomes of having a, a society which, which doesn't restrict things and kind of lets people just figure it out by themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's about tearing down walls and building bridges in the end. That's all it is. Yeah. It, it, you know, I think you're, you're right on point. It just, you know, how many beautiful things could come out of this and, you know, you know, it's an experiment and you know, like, that's, that's what keeps me going. You know, like we don't get paid to do this and you know, it's just like volunteer effort, but just like seeing like that dream, seeing those ideals, just like, it gets me keep going because you know it's it's not easy sometimes it's 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 not hard you know especially like running like this nonprofit like you know sometimes we can't get money and we want to do this and we have to like tell like the government hey sorry we don't have enough money to do that or like we're trying to do this and that or like we're trying to get like um, our um, um, our blockchain governance system going and it's been like delayed for the past two years but like you know and. And at the end of the day, like, like President Fitt, like we, you know, we, you know, like he's basically like the all time, I'm like dictator right now. Cause once, until we get like this blockchain governance thing going, we haven't voted for him, but like, we're still like following him and, you know, and he's such a good friend and he's such a good leader, but you know, like he recognizes that he can't do everything, but you know, we all have like these different um, abilities and skills and we come together and, you know, like it's like these gears that all work together and like, we're all learning each other and, you know, and you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of people that are getting involved with this are people that you know, didn't really feel like they fit into like, into like society where they are now and they'll come together, you know, but are they really going to be like the right culture, you know, cause like some are Muslim, like some are Christian, like some are like atheists, you know, you like, some are from like Africa, you know, like some of them are from like Thailand, like some of them are, you know, from the um, Americas, you, you know, so like, it's going to be a really big international community. Um, 
you know, and that's going to be the beauty of it because we're all going to be centered around our certain ideals of how we want our lives to live, but there's going to be so much for us to learn. You know, someone's going to be eating bugs and someone's going to be eating like two month old eggs, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, you know, we came here for a certain ideal and like, that's going to bring us Maybe together. But, you know, centuries old eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bring that up. That's funny. <laughs> is there like, so is there like an incentive program in place to, um, to donate to the Liberland Aid Foundation, like if you're an American or if you're from the UK, like Clement is, like, is there a benefit to doing so that helps Liberland but also helps the individual um, to do that? Yeah, sure. So, so um, if people want to get involved, um, so like that's kind of like going to this segment. Um, if you want to get involved, um, you can email me um, at USA at gov.ll.land. If you want to become a citizen, there's essentially two ways to become a citizen. Uh, The first way is that if you have um, money, you know, you can give us, um, you know, a certain um, donation that's around um, like $5,000. And then you can gain your citizenship that way as, you know, as long as like, you're not like a terrorist or anything like that, you know, we do background checks and all that kind of stuff. Um, Another way, you know, for me, yeah. (laughs) Another way for me, I didn't have like $5,000 to just like throw around. So I just decided to work and, you know, you can work um, for Lieberland and kind of like earn your way. Um, But there's two ways that you can donate. One way is to just go to Lieberland dot org and donate that way um if you want to donate to the foundation um it's a 501c3 here in the u.s so unfortunately only if you're american there's tax incentives um you know that way to donate i don't know about um if you're in the uk and you donate to like a u.s nonprofit. to be honest i have no idea i might have to look into that so i don't know if there's really any advantage to that but the cool thing is that if you want to help out Liberland, that kind of this kind of works in giving you a choice, you know, Hey, I want to help out Liberland. Do I want to help, you know, fund like, you know, essentially like the government, you know, like there's a lot of needs in that department or do you want to fund, um, you know, like humanitarian projects? Um, since I'm the board of the nonprofit, I, I always tell people like, Hey, you should donate to the, to like to the nonprofit. If you're American, you know, you can write off under taxes, stuff like that. But, you know, you know, 100% of your money goes to, you know, like different, um, aid projects. So if you go to, uh, liberlandfoundation.org, you can see all of our projects there. We don't take a dime of the money. We seriously, it's just all, you know, like it's just all, um, a voluntary, uh, you know, type of, um, situation for us. So like, those are like the two ways I'm going to donate and those kind of like different ways that, um, you know, like your, um, incentivized and in exchange in exchange for um, your money you get Liberland merits which are basically going at one to one to um, a US dollar mm-hmm. um, you know and if you have 5,000 merits um, essentially that's the way you become a citizen so if you have 5,000 merits or more then that's you know that's kind of like the way that you're a citizen if you have like 4,999 merits then you're not a citizen so that kind of gets like into like the whole crypto thing which i won't you know which you should that listen to, to yeah. on the other podcast that i did with brandon on you know if to get a little bit more into that um, oh, yeah nice no it sounds amazing um and uh, honestly i've had really uh, a really great time learning more about Liberland. I'm excited. I hope that it comes to fruition you know i hope that all your hard work pays off and we get to see this 
culture, this mixed culture, this kind of uh, trade um, destination where, you know, amazing things are happening actually come to life.